But today, I might be even more excited. So much to be excited about, but I might be even more excited to start this new series because today we start through the book of Galatians. Uh, we're going to start a six-week series on the book in the, in the New Testament called Galatians. So if you have a Bible or if you have a Bible app, I encourage you to open up to the book of Galatians uh, because we're going to start that today. Now, I have to say something. Uh, this has special meaning today because this week my son, my 18-year-old son, got his wisdom teeth out. And so if you know anything about that, what happens nowadays when you get your wisdom teeth out is your parents or your siblings or your friends take a video of what you say afterward. <laughs> Have you seen some of these videos where you are acting like a complete fool because they drug you up to get your wisdom teeth out? Well, AJ was nervous all week about this because he's like, Dad, I don't know what's going to come out. Like when I say something and I have, I have no control over it, like we're going to find out what's really in my heart. Do <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because apparently when this happened to me back in, when I was about AJ's age years ago, um, my mom to this day won't tell me what I said in that drugged up state. So apparently there was stuff in my heart that I was holding down and I don't even want to know what it was. But she said I had to apologize to the nurses afterward. So AJ was, was naturally nervous about this and so he, gets, he comes out of surgery and he's still loopy out of surgery and he comes out and he says to the nurses, do you know Jesus? And then he said, you should read the book of Galatians. And so that's what we're going to do today. Thank the Lord. My son has goodness in his heart. And he must take after his mom, not after me. But we're going to start with the book of Galatians because AJ said so. So here's where we're going in the next six weeks. Today we're going to talk about the one gospel. There's six chapters and every week we're going to cover new chapters. I want to encourage you to talk about, we've got these resources online, to talk about it every week. I'm actually doing a small group right now with a family from the first service, and we're going through this together because the sermon is one thing, but really getting with your small group or your mentor or moms and husbands and wives, families can do this over the summer. You can do this just on your own. There's discussion questions and talking points that go along with every sermon. So I encourage you to do it. In fact, I'm also going to challenge you to read the book of Galatians one chapter a day every week for the next six weeks, which means if you take one break, let's say don't read on Sunday, you can read Monday through Saturday, you'll read the whole book of Galatians every single week for six weeks. You'll read it six times. That's one of the best ways to get the most out of this that you can is read it because it'll be reinforced as you come and learn week in and week out. We're going to do a lot of background. We're going to talk a lot about the background. We're going to set the whole book up for you today as we talk about the one gospel. And then in week two, we're going to talk about the two meetings. There are two important meetings that Paul references in chapter two. One was the meeting at uh, the Council of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15. And the other meeting was just a personal meeting between Paul and Peter that you're going to hear about next week. So that's week two. Week three, we're going to talk about the promise. This is where Paul goes all the way back to Genesis 12, and he talks about the promise that God gave to Abraham. And so Paul explains that in chapter 3. Chapter 4, we call it, we're calling it labor pains because Paul says, as he's writing this letter to these people that he personally knew, he says, I feel like I'm in labor pains for you, like a, like a, like a mother giving birth to you. 
It's, it's a pretty vivid illustration that he uses. And then he talks about two mothers in the Old Testament story, in the Abraham story, and all of this to try to teach them what he's so, so keen to teach them through this letter to the Galatians. So that's week four. And then weeks five and six, we're going to finish up just the way Paul finishes up by talking about the life change that happens when we receive Jesus as our Savior. So in the first four chapters, Paul, Paul talks about the gospel, and we're going we're gonna to set that up today. In the last two chapters, Paul talks about the effects of the gospel. So the first four chapters are about theology, and the last two chapters are about how that impacts the way we live. And so this, this is where we're going in this in this series. We encourage you to come, invite some friends. This is, I love this book of the Bible, and this is going to be a real fun series for all of us. So let's jump in with this. On his first missionary journey, the Apostle Paul traveled through the region of Galatia to share the gospel and to plant churches. So this is the background for the, the letter that we have in our Bibles called Galatians. Now before I jump into this, I have to say something. There are 27 books of the New Testament. Paul wrote 13 of them. So almost half of the books of the New Testament are attributed to Paul. Galatians was his first letter. And it's good to remember, I, I, always, I like to remember that as I read through the, the New Testament and as I read Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians and Thessalonians and Timothy, the verse that I read earlier about elders and leaders in the church, that was written by Paul to Timothy those are, that was one of his pastoral letters. This letter is a letter that he actually wrote to a, to a bunch of churches in Galatia that he had planted earlier in his ministry. So you, it's important for you to know that as you read these passages. I think it's going to really come alive as we read these passages. So we have to go back to Acts chapter 13 to get some context for the book of Galatians. So in Acts chapter 13, it says that Paul and Barnabas traveled inland to Antioch of Pisidia. So Antioch is a city in a region, and the region was called Galatia. So Galatia was a region. It's, it's in modern-day Turkey. That's where Galatia was. If you have a, some Bible maps at the back of your Bible, you can look through and you can look for Paul's first missionary journey. Or you young people, if you want to Google it, Google Paul's first missionary journey, and you'll find all these pictures of his first missionary journey. You can do that now if your parents are okay with that. And so this is what Paul is doing. Is he's, he's, this is his first, his first time visiting the churches, what will eventually become the churches in the region of Galatia. It says, on the Sabbath, Paul and Barnabas went to the synagogue for the services. So you have to understand that at this point in history, the, the Christian movement was actually a, like a, think of it like a little Bible study within the Jewish church. Jesus was Jewish. Jesus worshiped at synagogues. He didn't worship at a church like Alpine Church because there wasn't a church like that yet. Jesus came, he did his work, and then he told his disciples to start the church. But it, was, it started in the Jewish synagogues and eventually it expanded to the whole world. So Paul and Barnabas are going to the synagogue for services, participating in their regular services that they're used to because they were also Jewish. But they, would, they were also, as they were doing that, they were sharing what Paul calls the gospel. They were explaining the gospel, and they were starting to share, share it with people. And so it says in verse 43 that many Jews and devout converts to Judaism... 
So Jews and converts to Judaism were the first to hear his message, and they received his message. And it said the two men urged the people, the Galatians, to continue to rely on the grace of God. And the reason I underline grace is because I want you to remember this is what they're saying. The message that they're bringing is a message of grace. And, and grace means gift. They're coming in and bringing this message of grace to these churches. See, these churches and these synagogues, they, didn't, they, they kind of never really heard about grace. Because in the Jewish synagogue, what they were learning was the rules. They were learning, learning rules and customs and laws. And they were learning the things that they felt like God required, the things that they thought that God wanted from them. And here Paul and Barnabas come in, and they're, and they're saying, let me tell you about something else. It's grace. And they started sharing this strange message about Jesus. And the message goes something like this. Jesus is the Messiah that we've been waiting for, that's written about in the Old Testament. And Jesus came and he lived a perfect sinless life and then he died on the cross and then he rose from the dead to save us. And if you would trust in him for salvation, then you'd be saved. And that was base, Paul's basic message. So instead of this message, maybe some of you grew up in a church that preached a different message, a message that's more about rules and religion and trying to be a good person and trying to do all the right things, right? That's one message. A lot of churches preach that message. But Paul came in with this strangely different message. His message was grace. And even after he preached to them, he just said, hey, continue to rely on the grace of God. Don't forget the grace of God. It's all about grace. It's all about this free gift that Jesus gives you. And so Paul starts these churches in Galatia. And so several churches spring up, and they're worshiping God, and Paul leaves. Because Paul has other regions to go to. So now Paul leaves. Again, you can read all about this in Acts 13 and 14. Paul leaves. And as soon as Paul left, a group of false believers infiltrated the Galatian churches to bring a different message. Now, some of you might think, man, you're being really judgmental to call them false believers. No, those aren't my words. Those are Paul words, Paul's words. Paul calls them false believers. Now, we call them, some people call them the Judaizers. Everyone say that, Judaizer. 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 Doesn't that make you feel smart to say something like that? So the Judaizers came in with a different message than Paul's message. And here was the message of the Judaizers, and I want you to see this, and we're going to revisit this for the next several weeks because Paul keeps talking about it, but it's really important for us to understand their message. The Judaizers' message was this. Salvation equals Jesus plus works. So they came in, and they, they didn't come in with a message like this. They didn't come in saying, no, Paul, Jesus isn't a thing. Jesus isn't... Jesus, you don't want to hear about Jesus. No, they were like, we love Jesus. Jesus is just all right with me, is what they said. That was their method, message. We love Jesus, and we want, we, we want to tell you about Jesus, but Jesus isn't enough. You need Jesus, yes. And Jesus died on the cross. Everything Paul said, yep, that's right. Jesus died on the cross, but you also need to be Torah observant. Torah observant means you need, to take, you need to take a look at the Torah 
you know, the, the old, their old, their first books of the Old Testament that tells us the rules that we're supposed to live by. Rules like kosher food laws, like you should only eat certain kinds of foods and you can't eat these kinds of foods. Jews don't do that. You have to become Jewish to become Christian. You can't just become Christian. You have to become Jewish to become Christian. So you need Jesus plus all these rules that we and our forefathers have been keeping for hundreds of years. Kosher rules, circumcision, and following the, honoring the Sabbath and the other, holiday, the other Jewish special holy days. And so that was the message of the Judaizers. We love Jesus, but you also have to do these other things or you can't be right with God. Now, I want to make sure that you understand what Paul's message was. And so we're going to put Paul's message up right next to the Judaizers' message so that you can see the difference. Paul's message is that salvation equals Jesus plus nothing. Maybe you've seen some of those shirts. Doug, our keyboard player, he has that shirt on today, that red Jesus plus nothing shirt. Maybe you've seen it on the billboards. That's what we mean by this. It's actually not something we made up. It's Paul's message. He said this, and this was radical. He said, salvation equals Jesus plus nothing. There's nothing that you can do to save yourself. There's nothing that you can do to add to what Jesus did on the cross. Salvation equals Jesus plus nothing. And you're going to learn later on in this series how radical of a message this was because Paul had been a Pharisee. Paul was the guy who, just like the Judaizers, just a few years earlier, Paul had been preaching, well, even worse than the Judaizers' message, salvation equals works, is what Paul preached. Paul didn't even believe in Jesus. And then Paul met Jesus. And Jesus said, you're wrong, Paul. And Jesus taught Paul this message. And now Paul is going around the region, teaching in the synagogues, teaching in the markets, teaching Jews and Gentiles alike, teaching them that salvation equals Jesus plus nothing, which was a radical message, especially for someone who used to be a Pharisee. But this was the message that Paul preached. And this was the message that the Judaizers brought. And the whole reason that Paul wrote Galatians was in response to the false gospel of the Judaizers. Paul plants those churches, gets them going, things are going great, Paul leaves, Judaizers sweep in, tweak the message, Paul gets wind of it, and he is ticked off. And so Paul writes this letter and sends this letter back to the churches in Galatia. So now that you have the context, finally we're ready to look at one of the passages in Galatians 1, verses 6 and 7, Paul says this, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God. Remember, he had just been there. He had just shared the gospel. And the Judaizers came in and said, Paul's mostly right, but he's not all right. He forgot about works. And they received the Judaizers' message. They were like, okay, we'll believe that. And so now they're tweaked, and now they're going down, they're following this other way. And Paul's saying, you turned away so soon, I can't believe it, you morons. My words, not his. And he's saying, you turned away from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. Notice how Christ-centric 
Paul is. You'll see that as you read through Galatians six times in the next six weeks. He says this, you are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. Some of your translations might have the word gospel there. Gospel literally means good news. Your way pretends to be the good news, but he says, but it is not the good news at all. How is it not the good news? Friends, salvation equals Jesus plus your works is not good news. That's not good news. Because if you buy into that, if you follow that, number one, not only is it just not true, simply, but number two, then you'll never be saved. Because you'll never be able to do good, good enough works. You're always going to fail. You're always going to come up short. It's not good news. Some of you maybe have grown up in a church or in a family that was very legalistic. And it was all about doing, doing the right things. It was all about works. And, and you had this sense that if I don't do these things, then God, God won't love me and God won't accept me. And so you get this sense that you have to do these things to prove yourself to God, to earn his love for you. Some of you might even feel that way about your parents. And so if you feel that way, if you've ever been under that kind of burden, you'll understand how oppressive that is. It's not good news. God's message is so different than that. You're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift. Grace means gift. It's all a gift. He says, you are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ, and he cannot believe it. And then he says these words, and I love these words. In verse 8, he says, let God's curse fall on anyone. Now those are fighting words. If someone curses, says, May God curse you. That's no good. That's not a very good thing. The worst thing that could ever happen is God's curse to fall on you. There's nothing in this life that would be worse than God's curse falling on you. And Paul knows it, but that's why he uses these words, because he, he feels so strongly about it. He says, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven, who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preached to you. May God's curse fall on you. Here's the news, folks. God doesn't change his mind. The gospel is simply this. Get a shirt to remind yourself of it. Jesus plus nothing. That's been the gospel for 2,000 years. It was, it was the gospel when Paul went on his first missionary journey in Acts 13. It's still the gospel today. God doesn't change his mind. So if you have a different message, if you have a different equation in your mind when you think about getting to God, just know this, that's not right. It's wrong. Don't believe it. Don't fall for it. It's the oldest trick in the book. The Judaizers didn't come in and say, Jesus is terrible. Don't listen to Jesus. No, Satan is way more deceptive than this. He says, no, Jesus is great, but we're going to add to Jesus. There are so many cults. There are so many world religions that start off with Jesus and then add to Jesus. Tack stuff on to Jesus. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, including Pastor Eric, should he preach a different message than the one that Paul preached, the one that we started Alpine Church on, the simple message that salvation equals Jesus plus nothing. We are saved purely, 100%, by the work of God through Jesus Christ. That's how salvation comes to us. That one message that we preach to you, Paul preaches it in every single one of his 13 letters. 
Every single one, Paul preaches it. But one of my favorite ways that he says it is when he wrote Romans just a little bit after he wrote Galatians. In Romans chapter 3.22, here's how he articulated that one message that he preached to the Galatians. We are made right with God by placing our trust in Jesus Christ. And this is true for anyone who believes, no matter who we are. That's it. If there's one Bible verse that you should memorize, start with this one. Because this is the key to your salvation. We are made right with God by blank. You fill in the blank. The way Paul fills in the blank is by trusting Jesus for salvation. We are made right with God by trusting Jesus, not by anything else. So if you think that there's some other thing that you have to do in order to be saved, in order to be made right with God, in order to come into a right relationship with God, then go back to Romans 3.22. Go back to Genesis 1.8 because Paul is so clear. And again, this is a guy who believed that he was saving himself when he was a Pharisee, but then he met Jesus and he understood the unconditional grace of God, the unmerited, undeserved grace of God. And that is how Paul was saved. And that is how Peter was saved. And that is how I was saved. And that is how anyone can be saved. It's by trusting in Jesus for salvation. And so the central theme of Galatians is what I like to call the sweet spot of grace. We're going to see in these first few chapters that Paul's saying that if you, if you go over here to the right side, you get caught up in, in, in the bondage to works. He says if, if you think you have to work to earn your salvation or to earn God's favor, he says that just puts bondage on you, and some of you can relate to that. Maybe you've lived in that bondage. Maybe even today you're still living in that bondage. You just feel like I can never do enough to be made right with God, then I think you've listened to the wrong good news because that's not good news. So on the right side is, is bondage to works, and this is what Paul is preaching against. But on the other side, and we're going to see this in chapters 5 and 6, on the other side is bondage to sin. Because, you know, there's an idea out there that says this. Some of you might even be thinking this right now. You're like, okay, so wait. So what you're saying is Jesus plus nothing so there's nothing that God wants us to ever do. We can just pray a prayer at a summer camp and then just go live however we want to. No, that's called bondage to sin. See, we start by trusting Jesus, which is what Paul is trying to get across in the first four chapters of Galatians. We start by trusting Jesus. That's foundation's truth number one. That's the first arrow in a full circle pursuit of God. We start by trusting Jesus. There's nothing you can do but trust Jesus but then what happens, and we'll see this in week five, but then what happens is God from the inside out, he puts his spirit in us, and now we begin to move into good works. We start doing things because we want to do it, not because we have to do it to be accepted by God, but we do it because we're new creations. We do it because our lives have been changed. And so we're not in bondage to works on the one side because we're free but we're also not in bondage to sin. Where are we? We're right in the sweet spot of grace. We're living by grace. We're saved by grace, and we honor God by grace, and all of it is a gift from God. And that's the central theme of Galatians, and that's what we're going to see as we go through this series. Every week we're going to finish with one simple question, and here's your question today. Are you trusting in Jesus alone for salvation, or have you fallen for a different gospel like the Galatians had? Good news Spoiler alert, it seems like the Galatians 
responded favorably when they got this letter. I think when they got the letter, I think many of them said, oh, snap out of it. Good news, the early church stomped out the Judaizers' influence, but it's still all over the place today. It's in all kinds of churches. This idea that says, I need to save myself. If I don't do it myself, God won't love me or he won't accept me. That is a different message, and that is not good news. So if you're trusting in Jesus alone for salvation, then you are saved. If you're not, I want to invite you. You can do that today. We're saved by grace, through faith, not by works. It is a gift of God, lest anyone boast. That's what Paul said later in his letter to the Ephesians. And that's what we're going to continue to learn about, and we're going to continue to stand on here at this church. Would you bow and pray with me today? Lord, I pray that you would help the person here today. I just have a sense that there are some here today who are hearing some of these words really sort of with a whole new perspective. Maybe you're opening the eyes of their heart today, and maybe even some today who have grown up in a church that would maybe they thought was a Christian church, but they're beginning to realize that they're no different than the Galatians that they've fallen for a slightly different message, which is more than slightly different. Because Paul said, it's not good news. It's not just a little bit off, it's all off. And God, may those people today receive your simple gospel, the one gospel that you preached 2,000 years ago and today is no different. In the midst of all the changes in society, in the midst of all the new ideas and the new discoveries that we've come up with, in the midst of all that, your one gospel still remains the same today. As fresh and as life-changing as it was 2,000 years ago. And should we have another 2,000 years on earth, it won't change in the next two millennia. And so today we praise you for your consistency and your faithfulness and your mercy and your grace. And God, may we rely on grace. I pray for the person who's here today who needs to rely on your grace. May they receive it today by faith. And God, I pray it would change everything about them as it has for so many of us in this room. Thank you, Jesus for your forgiveness. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for the gospel. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.